listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. It is uh, great to be gathered in this auditorium again and have uh, actually people in the blue chairs. And again, I want to welcome those of you online. Uh, my uh, good friend and gym workout partner, John Annan, Pastor John Annan, and all of our uh, family at Old Town, we're really glad that you're joining us again this service. And it's great. It's great to come into the house of the Lord and worship. Or as last Sunday, uh, I did on the 27th floor of the Veer Towers West in the holy city of Las Vegas. We were there vacationing, meeting some friends, and uh, it was a great experience. And one of the joys of uh, online uh, services is that it doesn't matter where you are. You can be anywhere on the planet. I just got a text from a college student that I had 30 years ago that said, hey, great, great message, Pastor, and he's uh, in Dallas, Texas. So it doesn't matter where we are. There I was on the 27th floor of the Veer Towers right next to the Aria, looking down on the strip at 9 o'clock in the morning, and it was an absolute ghost town. It was eerie. I mean, there were just a handful of people on the sidewalks as I kind of surveyed the landscape of four five-story parking garages, almost no cars in the garages. I mean, there were just, it was like, it was like the apocalypse. And it just it kind of caused me to kind of step back and go, this is the day and age in which we live, is it not? It's just, it's weird. It's weird, isn't it? It's just, sometimes it's just eerie. It's, it's just you don't hardly know what to do. And then I just paused for a minute, and I was thinking about on Saturday, we were invited by one of the residents to join her and some residents at a 4th of July party. I just thought it was cool. We'd just been there a couple of days, and one of the residents invited us to join her poolside on the 37th floor for a 4th of July party. Now, why am I telling you this? Because it was interesting getting to meet Carrie and finding out a little bit about her story. No church background, nothing spiritual. All, all I know about Carrie is she was married uh, and uh, to a man in the military, they were together for a number of years, they divorced, she remarried, then she was widowed, and after being widowed for a number of years, she remarried her uh, husband, Lee, who was a hair transplant surgeon. I can give you a number if you need one, I'm just saying. Um, and then my wife, Jamie, was in the pool and met uh, Jessica. Jessica was a, um, I don't know, she had a suit on that, uh, let's just say I was blushing when I saw her. I was, I was uncomfortable. And then her friend, Wendy, I noticed uh, a little bit later in the afternoon, is doing a full frontal bear hug on my wife, which made me a little bit nervous because of COVID-19 with this stranger Soon to find out from Jamie, um, listen, she is, she's wounded. She uh, is a dealer that just lost, she worked in one of the big hotels and just lost her job. She doesn't know what the future looks like. She had a boyfriend of nine years that she just broke up with. 
And uh, Jamie corrected me. She's not drunk. She's high. I'm not sure what she's on, but she's high and she's not in her right mind. Uh, then I met uh, Jonathan, a 62-year-old attorney from Southern California who kind of grossed me out a little bit because he had his 32-year-old girlfriend, Anna, from Russia. <laughs> then I met Steve, very interesting man from Pennsylvania, Jewish man who, uh, single, interesting, uh, came to Las Vegas because he was offered to take a chief marketing officer position with a new company that's developing like these little boutique, smaller gyms to try to cater to a specific audience. Now, some of you are saying, Mitch, what does this have to do with anything? Here's what it has to do with. Do we not say every Sunday, go and what? Be the church. I'm just telling you, I was poolside with my wife on the 37th floor of the Veer Towers on the 4th of July, really asking God to help me be the church. And here's the thing. Uh, Las Vegas is just evidence of what's happening all over the country. My friend Mitch Harrison, who we had dinner with Sunday night, said, Mitch, there, big Mitch said to little Mitch, there is 35% unemployment in Las Vegas right now. People are hurting. People are hurting. And here's the thing. I, so there I am on Sunday morning. I'm watching Pastor Steve Davidson. I'm fired up, enjoying the message. And at the tail end of the message, what does he do? As though God himself orchestrated it, he goes to the passage that God has been, that I've been cooking on for like three or four months. It's been in the sermon smoker for all of COVID-19. And the passage comes from Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn there on your phones, electronically, however you access the Word of God, I'd like to encourage you to go to Matthew 11, verse 25. If you're able, and if you're in the room, I'd like you to stand, even if you're online, if you have the courage. Once you stand right there in your bedroom, in your living room, wherever you are, stand out of respect for God's Word. And I want to read for you this passage out of the message. Because I believe that Eugene Peterson translates it in a way that's easily understandable. This is Jesus talking, and it says this. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary, ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready, Jesus says, I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. 
the reading of God's Word. You may be seated. So here I am, 27th floor of Veer Tower, just thinking about this coming weekend and having the opportunity to share God's word, word with you. And as I looked over the landscape of the Strip in Las Vegas, I just realized, man, this is COVID-19 season. This is the season that many of us, we are in whether we want to be or not, right? Whether we like it or not. And it caused me to think about how disrupted our lives have become. Amen? I mean, whatever normal routines, normal patterns, whatever normal rhythms you used to have with your life is not the way you're doing life right now. And it just caused me to think about the conversations I've been having with people over the last four or five months. And typically the conversation goes like this. It's not even a conversation. It's usually just a statement. I can't wait until, finish it for me. It's over or things get back to, things get back to normal. It's like there's this overarching drive in all of us, like we just want this to get over so that we can get back to normal. And I don't want to burst your bubble. I don't want to be another uh, anchor or problem for you in a very difficult season. But here's the thing. What if there is no going back to normal? What if all of this God is intending to use and purposing to use in a way where he's going to do a new work in you and me, and he's going to do a new work in his church? I'm just asking you, I just think sometimes we want to hang on to. Jesus told a parable. He said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You need new wineskins to put new wine in. Okay, and I, I just want to pose the question up front. Like, could it be, could it be that in this time of hitting the reset and refresh button, this is God's purposeful plan to do, to crush us in ways that is going to bring new wine out of us personally and out of us as a church. Man, I hope you enjoyed that song. I just asked Marlena to do that song. They'd never done it before, and how, how smoking hot was that song, New Wine. And Yeah, you can clap. We've got a great team. I was talking to Pastor Sean this week, uh, super encouraged, just saying, you know, one of the biggest takeaways for me over the last four or five months is, one, I'm older than I think. Okay? And, and let me go so far as to say, I can't get stuck in my routines and rhythm and pattern. I'm, I'm, I'm a disciplined guy. I'm about routine and structure. And here's the thing. That can become an asset or a liability depending on the, the world in which we're living. And I've been so proud. I've been so proud of my teammates here at Clovis Hills. Because I'm going to tell you. When COVID-19 hit and all of a sudden things got shut down and, quote, you can't gather as a church, we had to immediately pivot. And I'm going to tell you, it was the younger generation and the millennials that did the heaviest lifting and labor to make it possible in less than a week 
for us not only to have online services, but to have high-quality online services available to us at the touch of a key. Now, you may go, well, I don't really like that as much. Listen, it's, it's way better than nothing, isn't it? And I was so proud of our team here. And they've, somebody coined the term, they've, they've, they've coined me, I'm the millennial whisperer. I think that's a compliment. But you know why? Because here's the thing. When I think about the young staff members at this church, you know what I think about? They're, these young men and women are going to be the, the people that are going to lead the church that are going to reach my six grandkids. I want, I want my six grandkids to have a love for Jesus and for the church the same way I did. And it's not going to be a church I'm going to be leading. They're going to be leading it. And so I just want to ask this question, man. Are you open to the work that God wants to do, not in spite of COVID-19, but because we're in the middle of it? Are you open to the work that Jesus wants to do in you personally and in the church because he wants to offer us new unforced rhythms of grace? Let me, let me just take the remaining time we have to just try to extract four lessons from what we read in the passage, okay? It's just a, really, it's just a conversation, really. It's a prayer and then a conversation Jesus is having with a small group of people. And I just wanna, I wanna highlight uh, four things. First, first, Jesus only comes to those who are open to receive him. Jesus only comes to those who are open to receive him. He said, Father, you've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know-it-alls, but you've spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. God is eager. He is eager to reveal himself to each one of us. And here's the thing. If you're proud, if you're haughty, if you're closed-minded, he, he will conceal himself and his truth from you. He's interested. He'll do that too. If you're closed off, he'll let you stay closed off. But here's the thing, he is eager, eager to reveal himself to those who are open to him. He gives, he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble and he's ready to go, well, Jesus said, I'm ready to go over it line by line with those willing to listen. I don't know where you are in your journey, but that this conversation just reminds us again, Jesus is the one who always just invites us to come. Just come. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And guess what? I, I have life for you, and it's a life of peace and rest. Get to that in a minute. Now, what qualifies us to come? Well, that's a, the second point I want to extract from the truth. Your burdens, your brokenness is what qualifies you to come to Jesus. It's, it's some, somehow in our minds and conversations I have with people outside the church, somehow they feel like, A, sometimes if, the, if I come in the building, it's going to burn down or the, the roof is going to cave in. Or, or I got to wait till I get it together, get it cleaned up. And I like to remind them, man, good luck on that. And furthermore, everybody that we gather... My crew that gathers, our crew that gathers on Saturdays and Sundays, they got junk. Got junk? We got junk. We're, we're all broken. And here's the beauty of Jesus' invitation. 
He has made himself accessible. No prerequisites. No hoops to jump through. You don't need to clean yourself up. In fact, he says, man, I'm, I'm saying if you got junk, if you feel broken, if you feel ashamed, if you feel sorrowful, if you feel like you've made a mess of things, come to me. Come to me. I love, I love the fact that the, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all come to Jesus the same way. We come humble and broken with all of our sin, and we freely receive the grace that's offered to us. It's a gift. It's not something that can be earned. It's a gift. Now, the, the third lesson, the third point that I, w- I want you to consider is this. I want you to consider the heart of the one who's extending this invitation, the heart. It was interesting, uh, Pastor Sean gave me a book that I, I've really been enjoying by a Reformed author, and um, he uh, picks out this verse in Matthew, specifically in one of his chapters, and here, here's what I didn't know. In, in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 89 chapters, there's a lot of material, a lot of content there, a lot of revealed Word of God. In 89 chapters, this is the only place in the entire Bible where Jesus reveals his heart. He describes, I want to tell you what I'm like. Only verse. And it's very, very important that we pay attention to this because in the Bible, the heart really is not just how we feel emotionally. The heart is our motivation Headquarters. It's the center of who we are. The heart drives actually our decision-making, our will, and everything we do. The, the, in Proverbs 4.23, the wisdom writer said, Above all, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Jesus said, Wherever your treasure is, your heart is there also. Like, it's all tied together. It's, a, it's the core and center of of who we are. So we need to pay attention when Jesus describes his heart. And unfortunately, in the message, I think that Eugene Peterson, he misses out on this translation. So let me read it out of the NIV. It simply says this in verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Listen to this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I just want you to pause for a minute. Again, the heart reveals the very core of who a person is. When Jesus described himself, he described himself as having a gentle and humble heart. Jesus is not mad. Jesus is not harsh. Jesus is not reactionary. Jesus is not easily exasperated. What is Jesus? Jesus is humble, lowly. He's tender. He's open. He's welcoming. He's kind. If you you unpack the Greek there, really, what comes out, what comes out in terms of how how could you maybe capture that in the word, what Jesus is just kind-hearted. Don't you love kind-hearted people? They're a rare breed. And I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus 
is the most understanding, kind human being that's ever walked planet Earth. And this is the one that offers an invitation to us to come to him. The closest I've seen, the closest person I've seen to this is one of my heroes, Fred Rogers. How many of you know who Fred Rogers is? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, as a kid, I would have never said Fred Rogers. I wanted nothing to do with that dude in the funky sweaters. But here's the thing. When he died movie came out. All of a sudden, I was kind of fascinated. I was hearing things. So I read a book. I read a, a biography. I really got interested. I saw a, a couple of specials uh, on Fred Rogers. And what I realized, here was a man who was an ordained minister who decided to take a, a, a gift that he had and a heart that he had and apply it to TV in a way where he would tackle really edgy issues in a very tender, soft, kid-friendly sort of way. And the thing that, I, that came out more than anything from reading his biography and the kind of man he was as a committed Christ follower was to the person, everyone he worked with, everyone that encountered him, said this about Fred Rogers, said he was an incredibly kind man. I want you to know, more than Fred Rogers, we have the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who left heaven to come to earth for you and me, is the kindest, most caring, most open, most loving human being that's ever walked the planet. And here he is in this text that we read this morning, and what's he saying? kindly. It says in the message that he spoke, he turned back to, after praying to the Father quickly, throwing up a prayer, he came back and spoke gently to this group. And what does he say? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We're in an interesting uh, season. And I believe the need is acute and it never been greater that people need, you and I need rest for our souls. I was doing a graveside service, which is an interesting uh, assignment in this day and age. So many services like that, even for people that have died, have to be delayed and you have to wait and there's time frame and people are grieving and wanting to get some closure. So it's just weird. And then you got to bring your own uh, chairs to the cemetery because they won't provide chairs because, uh, you know, it's got to be less than 10 and hopefully you'll just stand and it'll be short. I mean, it's just, it's just weird. And yet there I was ministering to this small band of people, 89-year-old woman, just three weeks short of 90, went to, had died. And, and uh, I'm sharing this passage out of Matthew 16 where Jesus said, What does it profit a man or woman if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? For what can a man or woman give in exchange for his soul? And I love sharing that passage, especially in those moments, because here's the thing. 
There is nothing more valuable than the soul of a human being that's been placed into every human being by God himself. And that soul only comes alive and resonates when we enter into a loving relationship with God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. What a glorious invitation, even this morning, whether you're gathered here or whether you're online. Here's the thing. It's once again Jesus saying to you, come. Come to me, man. If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe, maybe he's trying to arrest your attention this morning. Quit complaining about COVID-19. Quit thinking about, I hope things can just get back to normal. And start looking for me in the new normal. Maybe open your eyes to see the new opportunities that are in front of you, not in spite of, but because of the season that we're in. The Apostle Paul said, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I told you about my new acquaintances at the Veer Tower in Las Vegas because I want you to know we're going back next year. And we're going to continue to pray for those people by name. I'm going to ask God, man, maybe we'll become more friendly with them next year. Maybe there will be opportunity and we'll get invited to a 4th of July barbecue again. And maybe there will be opportunities with the exception of Steve. Because Steve, we were having a beautiful conversation. And then doggone it if he didn't ask me the fatal question, what do you do for a living? i got to come up with a better answer than pastor. Because all of a sudden I noticed he, he was moving on to a new conversation with someone else. Hey, Steve's in God's hands. As are all those other names I mentioned. As are all of you. And here's what I want to say as I close. I'm just asking you this morning, right now in the midst of an active COVID-19 season that we're still in, are you, are you receptive to the new wine work that God wants to do in you, the crushing and the pressing that's going to bring new wine in new wineskins? Are you open to being that ground that can be tilled and broken? Or are you hard pan and saying, no, I'm not open, interested right now, and just I want things to go back the way they were. Listen, this is a new day. It's a new opportunity. And it's a new, fresh opportunity for each one of us to either say, yes, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Or say, no, thank you, I'm going to go my own way. And my hope, my hope, I really believe, as we were praying earlier today, some of you are here by divine appointment. Maybe you didn't know that, but you're here, you may be watching online by divine appointment because God directed you to come uh, online to watch this church service in this hour. And what I want to say to you is God, God is inviting you to come. Jesus has welcomed you to come to him. Now bring all your junk and know that you have a kind Savior that's ready to save you and bring you into a relationship with him. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to conclude our time together by praying. I just invite those that are gathered here this morning just to close uh, your eyes and, and bow your head.